everybody, and welcome to this month's Legends Book Club. This show has been on a hiatus a little bit for about six to seven weeks now since we did Splinter of the Mind's Eye back at the end of April, mainly because we went to Celebration, and that's kind of thrown a wrinkle in everything, as well as the start of Obi-Wan Kenobi, which has been coming out for us, if you're not aware, Wednesday and Friday episodes. Wednesdays we have reviews, and Fridays we have predictions and speculation episodes, so if you haven't checked out last week's review of episode five of obi-wan kenobi check that out as well as our predictions for the finale of obi-wan kenobi which will be coming out on wednesday so you'll want to stick around with star wars lads for all the latest on obi-wan kenobi our review will be up wednesday morning for the finale hopefully it's a great one on wednesday if you haven't yet please subscribe to our channel and like hit the like button down below also comment below and let us know your thoughts on kenobi because we will be talking about kenobi today on Legends Book Club in honor of Obi-Wan Kenobi and like kind of our six week period here of Obi-Wan content on our channel. We'll be kind of concluding our Obi-Wan coverage here this week with Kenobi in the Legends Book Club. This is the book by John Jackson Miller, which came out in 2013. To kick off Legends Book Club, we usually go through a couple of different things and we kind of, because it's called Legends Book Club, want to treat it like a book club and focus on different aspects of the story. So we're going to talk about our general thoughts characters that are in this book and the way they're used also some connections to legends and canon um and, and all of that stuff so we're going to start off with our general thoughts here Sonic, what were your general thoughts on kenobi i can see why when we talk about just what you know a canonized version of the story or what would be the fill-in between three and four like people were immediately gravitated to this book because i mean Miller wrote a fantastic book here. I, I think it's, it's not what I expected, even having read descriptions of it. But I, I, I think this book, I don't know, it's, it says a lot about how well intertwined it is, but also just how stand standalone it is at the same time. Like this is, it is about Obi-Wan. It is about the consequences of the prequels. It is the setup for things to come later on for the original trilogy and whatnot. But it just a book about Obi-Wan struggling to not be a Jedi on a planet with a small group of people, you know, and just how he interacts with their life coming in and out. I, and it it's deceptively simple, but it's, it's nice seeing how these interactions that, some of them are natural, some of them forced, how they, you know, slowly change him, how they slowly make him adjust. And I, I really like that part of it. I think that's something that, you know, having enjoyed a lot of the Kenobi show, I loved most of the episodes. I think what I'm missing from the show itself is that we haven't really seen Obi-Wan just talk to himself. You know, he's, 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 he's been drawn into this journey again, but this is a book about like how he's just learning to exist with what he has right now. There's like a lot of small things that he does um, that I really enjoyed. Like this one scene where he gets described like how you shouldn't ever be unhooded in the Jundlin ways. It's so hot and all that. And he takes the advice, but then the woman that he's talking to as she leaves, he just takes off his hood and she's like puzzled by it. Like there's these little things that you can see his mind is, working on a mission but he's also just trying to blend in but not trying to stand out like there's so many different things about that version of obi-wan the one that becomes that crazy old hermit that feel 
you know, more rich here. And Kenobi so far, it's like, yeah, I think after the events of the show, we're going to see, or maybe the final episode, we're going to see a lot of what, you know, Sir Alec Guinness's version of Kenobi is. But I didn't necessarily get a lot of that in the early first two episodes of the Obi-Wan show. So this book for me is really quenching that there's like, it's it's really hitting on the on the feeling of that character that I thought we'd be getting more of in the show. Um, and I hope that a lot of this feeling is really put into this final episode. And you and, you and everyone are talking about season two or another Kenobi show. Maybe we get a little bit more into something like this because I, I enjoyed this quite a lot. Yeah, I think this is a... It, it's funny because when we talk about legends and canon, a lot of times we ding canon, especially early canon, for the fact that a lot of it is very simple and safe and it's small character stories that don't really have any universe really expanding consequences or they're not they're not really that important they feel just kind of average and kenobi is like that but it's so beloved and for me i think it took once i started to realize it's like that as i got further and further in the book like the first time i dove into it i started to realize that I got to distance my thoughts on that. And, and especially the fact that it's legends too, it's such a, a, a one of a kind legends or a very like it's in a small selective group of legends books that don't try to do anything too crazy with the mythology that really just take a step back and tell a character centric story, which is very rare in legends. Like legends usually ha- tries to connect every little detail of its massive jumbled world. And Kenobi is so simple. And it, it's about one guy and a couple residents of Tatooine existing (laughs) and this man dealing with having to set out on a new mission away from a life that he's known forever. And these people who have also known their daily routines forever and ultimately how they all are able to come and unify and deal with these small problems. But Obi-Wan starts to find purpose in these small problems. I really like this book a lot. I can't say it. I can't say it's like one of my all-time favorite Star Wars books, but I think it's really, really good, especially in its character moments. Now, I think we're going to talk about characters here pretty soon, but for me, um, wrapping up general thoughts on the story, like I I do like how simple it is. I I wish there were bigger moments for Obi-Wan himself. I wish this spanned a bit more time as well. It's like maybe a year into Obi-Wan's time but it starts like immediately after he drops Luke off on Tatooine. So there's not very much time in between Revenge of the Sith and this, which I like because I like his immediate reaction. I like to see him slowly becoming used to who he is. But over the course of this entire book, we don't really cover as much time. I would have preferred to see a little, maybe a couple years of him growing, but also the conflict and the story told here doesn't really call for that. But really what we get here is something that is pretty special. And it is something that, even though it doesn't have a ton of Kenobi, really, he's not the main character. He's probably the third main character, and we don't get his POV too much. If you haven't checked out uh, my How to Adapt video on on Kenobi as well, I go a lot more into the specifics of that book versus what, you know, I thought was going to be the show or what could have been the show. I think it's, it's nice to get a book in here as we're about to finish the show with that. 
and kind of come full circle. But Obi-Wan, we really don't see much of him. And I think that'll transition us into the character part. The main part of Obi-Wan we get, or at least the parts we get in his head, are all in the meditation scenes where he's trying to talk to Qui-Gon. And we've seen that, which I'm really glad we've seen that. We've seen that brought into Obi-Wan Kenobi. There's moments where he's sitting there like, basically like he's praying, like asking Qui-Gon for help. But in this, it's much more like actual attempts at connecting and meditating and like trying to bridge that gap, trying to commune with Qui-Gon, like Yoda says. We haven't really seen that in Obi-Wan Kenobi. But I think we're we're going to start seeing that. We're going to start seeing that progression. But it's also, I think one of the other things I really like about this book is it can kind of be really still canon. Like if you want it to be, nothing here contradicts anything because we don't know anything about what Obi-Wan did in his first year on Tatooine in canon. We have some stories elsewhere, but there's nothing here that really contradicts anything else. So you could have this nice little adventure that's kind of pushes Obi-Wan into his path. I think Obi the Obi-Wan we see here starts to resolve his mental um, blocks and his is really his disparity with his connection to the Force and, and connection to the Jedi. He starts to resolve a lot of what we are now seeing him resolve 10 years after Revenge of the Sith. He starts to resolve that here in his first year. Um, so that could be the biggest change, I think, compared with the show we're getting, but but the Obi-Wan here is still a broken man. And we, we really only get to see that though in meditations, um, but his heroics and his constant like willingness to help people, it is something that is very definable with the character. And, and the fact that this was written in 2013 or published in 2013, written during the Clone Wars, like written basically for all the Obi-Wan history we've had that's in canon, <laughs> minus like the Jason Aaron comics and a few books. Pretty much everything about Obi-Wan's character that we know from canon was foundational to this book's telling of Obi-Wan. So I think in that regard, Obi-Wan himself works really well throughout the book, even though he's not the central POV character. Yeah, I, I think I would agree. Uh, for me personally, I'm liking more what the Kenobi show has done with Obi-Wan um, versus what this book is kind of in such a short period of time. I know he's not the old Alec Guinness by the end of the book. He's far from it, but he has all of the stepping stones to become that character. And I don't know, just for a story that's really set around just Obi-Wan being the third most important of, you know, this one small village settlement barkeep of sorts and a couple of the outlying areas like he's remarkably well adjusted there is like one moment that he has with probably the main character uh Annalyn, and she's like telling him like you know you said that like um someone you knew uh was hurt but you're also hurt too by it and he finally like kind of gives in to like the emotions of it, the force kind of he like shakes some raws in his house and all that. And you can see the, I guess the brokenness visibly for a minute. And then he's like, ah, okay, Annalyn, you got to go. Like, thank you so much. But that's it. Like he just like reverts back to like being the calm, double talk, double metaphors, all this and that, that he throws out. And then he goes into his meditations. Obviously we see like, okay, it's, 
struggles, frustrations. But he says it way, he says it really composed. I don't know, if, especially even a scene like that. I would expect him to say things a little bit more. I, I guess it's only been a year, so it makes sense that he's able to just, it has maybe hit him. The reality hasn't sunk in quite as much, right? But it's, I don't know. It, I think as much as I like how Obi Wan has used sparingly in the book, when we do have time with him, he's just, He's just way too well adjusted for me. I I would think that even even as strong as he is, mind and body, like some of him has to have cracked a little bit, all right. And, and I wish those cracks were a bit more evident. But his role in this book is also to like show up, be, and then like you know, kind of make it seem like someone else shot off all these Tuscan Raiders. Like, oh, great job, old man. Like. You know, we all know that it's him using the force. Like, oh, he sees Owen Lars and his family. Oh, my God, that's Lance Peter there, and we've rocketed away. It's, I don't know. It, I, I, I just wish he was a little bit more broken and separated, but because he's spending so much time with this particular group of people, he becomes so involved in a way that maybe he's forced to be kind of like how the Kenobi in the Kenobi show. He's got a higher purpose at this time, even if he doesn't want to, and he's got to – just go with the flow. But when he has his time to relax, when he has his downtimes, I don't know if I fully agree with just talking to Qui-Gon. Like, just like as if like it's like a phone call. Like, you know, ah, that's how it was. It's like he's leaving voicemails for him or something. And I mean, it, it works to some degree, but the more and more I read them, I'm like, I know you're trying to commune with him, but you are just you're not like even letting the reality of your life or anything sink in. Like, and the moments that you are willing to do that, you're being drawn into someone else's cause or their lives and their problems. And I know you're a Jedi at the end of the day, but come on. Like, what about you, Obi-Wan? That, that, I think that's, that's my biggest critique of this book because I just wanted something richer from those meditations and they just felt very safe. That's my biggest gripe with this book and in, in as well for me in, in general is that you know for the title being kenobi we need a bit more of kenobi's pov and i think that's that's the nice thing about writing a book is you can really get into characters heads versus a tv show which is going to have a much much harder time getting into the character's head meditations are great but they happen every three four chapters rather than you know every chapter if it was every chapter we got to see at least like him thinking about something every day or something then we could kind of at least get a piece of his mind without really disrupting what the narrative is actually about i do like that he throws himself into other people's conflicts so quickly I think I think that kind of works because he is still trying to deal with it. I think that could even still work in canon because it seems like he's just, you know, he doesn't want to deal with him, his own problems. He's he's just happy helping other people. I I don't dislike any of that, but I think I yeah. still want to see how does Obi Wan react from some of this stuff. Like we get we get every, all of his reactions besides the meditations we get from like you said other characters like Annaline or her children looking at Obi-Wan and being like, this is bothering you or something's wrong. What's wrong? And like, we know it's wrong because we've watched Revenge of the Sith, but the other characters don't. And Obi-Wan doesn't really ever open up too much. He doesn't really tell us how he's feeling. And in a book you do have to tell, <laughs> you can't show. So he needs, you know, even 
in, in moments like that, and for such a small story, as, as such a secular story, a story that doesn't really connect to anything else that we've ever seen in Legends and really in canon, you know, you have the the flexibility of using other characters like the one I think we're going to talk about right now, Annalene, who you can lay this stuff on. Like Obi-Wan can tell her things and then you could kill her or you could still send her other places. You can do things with her because she's your character. She's new. Um, so we can, uh, you get, I think if what I was expecting when I first read this book was uh, other characters being used to pull information out of Obi-Wan that would get more deeply into his head and, and start to show that transition to the Ben Kenobi mentality versus the Obi-Wan Kenobi mentality. And that's not something that's in here and definitely is the biggest flaw for me as well. I think when we talk about the other characters, because like we said, this is not a, a, a Obi-Wan book really, despite his name, it's his exploits. It's him, his footprint all over the events of this book, but really he is not the main character and he's not the POV. The POV is mainly from Annalene Caldwell, who is the local shop owner and whose children also kind of run out throughout this book and, and <laughs> filled its pages with their exploits, as well as the man who runs the Settlers Call Fund, who is the guy who organizes this group of militia against the Tuscan Raiders, who is really, you know, a con man, the, the book's key antagonist. Orngalt, who has run on down on his luck as a moisture farmer. He needs money. He's borrowed money from Jabba the Hutt and one of my favorite characters, Mosip Benid, who is Jabba's accountant. He's borrowed money from them and he's tried to create this whole racket to fund his, his uh, moisture farming, which he, you know, he's, he's a character that's, uh, misunderstood not misunderstood but like he's he doesn't really intend to be bad he's not trying to be bad he's out for himself and we see his selfish moments but he's a he's a character that wants to do the right thing he's just so caught up in himself and trying to fix his own problems that he keeps digging a hole deeper and deeper and deeper which ultimately causes all his relationships to crumble and everything to go wrong as you expect in a in a book like this um so for me, I, I really like both of these characters. I think they're very well written. I think they are... The, my only problem with them is, is just that I've read characters like this before or seen characters like this before. They are stereotypes of like Westerns or you know farmers in a Western or the uh, peasant in a samurai movie who's like, you know, the samurai's helping out. It, it's very... This book is tropey. It's, it's full of Western tropes. It's full of samurai film tropes. It's full of all of that stuff. But that doesn't mean that these characters aren't good. They're not. They they are well written. I enjoyed reading them. I enjoyed their perspectives, a and I think the narrative itself is definitely elevated by how well Miller is able to write these characters, and how I, well he's able to integrate the tropiness of these characters into his story, which I think has a relatively interesting twist at the end that's not completely engulfed by tropes, but. Anyway, what were your thoughts on especially Annalene and Oren, but any other characters that really stuck out to you in this book? I mean, I think you kind of you know, struck the nail on the head here. Like, these are very Western characters. I mean, Tatooine, it's very easy to say the Tusken Raiders are a mix of, like, uh, well, they're mostly, like, you know, Native Americans versus, you know, 
white settlers on land and like the conflict that kind of comes that we've seen for years and years in a lot of 20th century books and uh, you know, what is this in media we've had records of that for centuries but even before that um, and it makes sense why this kind of became an inspiration for obviously the kid who grew up in that time period George Lucas that being said I, I think for us especially since we've been very invested in canon we've seen a character like this in almost every book now it's kind of the role that Annalene plays um I will say like you said she's really well written she's fun she's a little exasperated with her children at all times she's kind of thrown off about like the changes that Ben comes she's just straight up interested in Obi-Wan and has a scene where you know she's like tries to make a move and Obi-Wan's like oh, no, no not not looking for that and like I I it's interesting because I think her character also is makes this sort of realization too that life is gonna be going on and on but for her it might not change day by day like she might not she might look up one day and it might be 30 years later but that's just how what it's like on Tatooine that's just the life of being a moisture farmer or just with the same customers who don't ever leave your patronage day by day and when Obi-Wan kind of comes into this fold it's accelerating so many different things like things from her past with her dead husband things with her life when she wanted to become a university student and it's giving her a lot of impetus to like do these things and being around obi-wan you're going to be caught up in something um at all times but, but i think what is like really interesting is that she also has a lot of wisdom to her character um and i think one of the lines that kind of struck me is that it's always the people who try to like blend in fit in who end up being the ones who kind of stand at the most. And I think that's pretty interesting because when you look at crazy old Ben Kenobi in A New Hope, he is a crazy homeless guy. Like he's going to stand out, right? And it's interesting that some people, you know, when you watch the movie, you're like, oh, he just lives out there. Like, well, if he just lived out there like and was like good at it, then you wouldn't really hear about it. But he's very obviously going to be an obi-wan he's gonna stick out do these different things that you know his morals call him towards his jedi honor and code call him towards and i i like that part of her like kind of drawing that out that you know this is just what you gotta be right this is just kind of what who you are even if he doesn't want to admit it he kind of goes for that like and every single action is kind of developing into that crazy old hermit that we see like and then moving to Oren, i mean he's he's not my favorite character i will say he's definitely a character that's beholden to the plot and beholden to like the classic tatooine mythology and all that like oh he's like he's with the accountant for uh job the hut right he's um invested in moisture farming and getting the perfect water and you know he's fitting in the western stereotype of like you know, he's not really against the natives, but he's got to do what he's got to do, right? And he's just trying to get with the widowed lady of the town. Like, that's such a Western trope to play off of. Um, but he's still fun and engaging because there are moments like every chapter until like part four where you're like, he's not a great guy, but he's got his grace. He's complicated. Sure. 
it's when we hit part four, you're like, okay, well, that's where he just becomes like it all falls apart from this whole facade that he's been living through falls apart. I don't know. I, I think as the two main characters, they do add a lot and in their interactions with Obi-Wan, obviously because he's such a unique character, makes them more valuable than and more engaging than some of the characters that we've read in the High Republic and all these other canon books and other Legends books. But because the story is so small, because at the end of the day, this is just the beginning of a life on Tatooine, there's nothing they can really do. And then that's where, again, it's, I like the time spent here. But with the amount of involvement and everything that goes on, you would expect the main character of this book to have way more reaction until maybe the end. That's when we finally get some of it. But I don't know. That's that's where it comes back down to these supporting characters. I love what they did with their interactions, but they didn't necessarily bring out as much as we expect other than meditations. Right. And that's where, again, the Western tropes, it's like the Westerns are always such slow burns. And this is the part one of this book is definitely a slow burn. There's not that much that goes on. And then part two and three start to really ramp up. Part three is very fast and ramps up like immediately. But it is a it's a longer book. It's about 400 pages and it is um, definitely a slow burn for a lot of it. And it, I feel like if it were a slow burn and you're getting a ton of personal stuff with Kenobi, that's a little different versus personal stuff with ancillary characters. Then that makes it a little slower of a burn. <laughs> um, but yeah, like you said, I really enjoy all these characters. I think it all works really well in the book. The book is, it, it's so weird. Cause like go back to the, the Canon thing. The book is like everything I don't really love about early Canon books, but it's so much better. It's so much more well-written than all of those that it, that it yeah. makes it like an enjoyable read regardless. I think the last thing uh, to bring up before we score this and, and give our final thoughts is the Tuscan Raider arc and the A arc, uh, the main Tuscan Raider, who is one of the only parts of this book that is heavily connected to old legends material. A Sharon head is also mentioned, but also not like you don't really need any knowledge of other legends material to read this character or read this book. And this character is kind of like retroactively connected to other parts of, of legends where it's, she's not like a main character in legends that you needed to know about to read this. She's now brought into the, le it's like they had legends material about Tuscan Raiders that they had to connect to this, basically not really the other way around. So in, in that sense, I like this character a lot. I think this is an interesting character. It's interesting to examine the way the Tuscan Raiders are written here versus our really our only canon material that's really given Tuscan Raiders characterization. And that's Book of Boba Fett, which just came out, you know, four months ago. And we got to see it's really unique to pair this book with that and see a completely different take on them. First of all, Tuscan's talk in this versus in uh, our book of Boba Fett, we never get like clear translations for what they're saying. It's all through Boba. Boba's our conduit into their, their life really. And we start to join their tribe through Boba. But in this, we never really join their tribe. They're definitely are far more violent, far more traditional Tuscan raidery. But at the same time, we get sympathetic angles to them. We start to realize that they are not the main villains. And it is similar to Boba Fett 
in that regard where it's like yeah they are they don't necessarily do good things they have to do what they need to do to survive but maybe they are the victims in a lot of scenarios versus the actual villains and i think this book doesn't go as far to really say no they're good guys like book of boba fett tries to do but in this they're still tuscan raiders but with a with a sympathetic edge to them something that you can grab and go when you you watch anakin slaughter the tuscan raiders in episode two which is mentioned in this many times they are afraid of obi-wan i like that angle as well because most of the tuscan raiders are terrified of jedi and terrified of people that can use the force and that's kind of what perpetuates the whole beginning of this plot is they see obi-wan use the force they think it's annaline and they're trying to get her because they've heard legends about a tribe that was destroyed by <laughs> by a guy with a, a lightsaber and who could use the force in there I, I like all the connections there i like seeing more of the tribal politics i like getting into all of those layers of the tuscan raiders and i think Ark is probably my single favorite tuscan character that I, i've read in, in books or seen in tv like this is it's a character that's fleshed out we obi i mean the boba fett didn't really flesh out any of its tuscans but it made them we like them <laughs> but then they killed them immediately it was like i wanted a bit more characterization from them this character we actually do get a little bit um of time to flesh her out and, and experience loss with her and experience you know how intelligent she is and all these different aspects to her i really enjoyed this character as well yeah, I'd say I'd agree that Aark is probably the most fascinating character of this book. Aark is always behind events. Like sometimes the plot demands Aark to be at the center of it, but things don't go well for Aark. And then sometimes she's just reacting to something and it's been like a week or so and she's like, how did this happen? This and that, right? Like it, I think it really speaks to how at least Miller writes the Tuscans. I mean, it's really emphasized that they're broken, they're shattered, like everything's gone wrong with them. Post Anakin slaughtering, obviously, like it seems like everything the great warriors have then in just five, ten years have been gone, decimated. But she is fundamentally, she's limited to becoming, you know, the unfortunately the trope of like these later westerns more of like late john wayne films where he didn't play the traditional cowboy anymore more the wary one and the native american or the native is a little bit more wizened can communicate in the comics and all that of legends period like a big point of the tuscan culture is talking about like the people who have kind of merged in with us the outsiders and a big outsider is Shard Het. And if you read everything and what's going to be our next Legends Club Star's Legacy, a Shard Het will come from the sky and lead all these Huskins and become their leader and all that. So this is a book that's also beholden to a lot of just established Tuscan life and culture that it's going to fit in this idea of like, well, they're not monsters per se yet. They're not great either. Maybe we can give them a little bit of a civility, like the civilized Indian trope, which I don't really love, but you can. it, it works here. Uh, it's fine. I will say um, what I love about Book of Boba Fett, even though they don't spend enough time in my mind with the Tusken Raiders, the time we do spend, it seems like ever, uh, it, it seems like Tatooine historically has always been a bit of a ripoff of Dune, the planet Dune from Dune. 
now the uh, sand people, the Tuscans have gone away from just being the civilized or uncivilized savages, um, whichever angle you're going for, depending on the medium, when it was written and whatnot, to becoming like, oh, they're still a little bit like that, but they're now kind of more like the Fremen. They're kind of more of like Muslim influence. They're, you know, they have strong tribal culture um, and their reasons to the settlers, these outsiders, these just your classic people that we've met in Tatooine situations like moisture farmers and all that. Yes, they've attacked them all this and that, but they have a whole society and culture that if you get to look at them, you'll understand. And I think Miller actually makes some headways towards that version that we see in the Book of Boba Fett, like the naming, Ayark, Adid, and all that. It seems almost a lot of Muslim names started with Ah or Al, and it seems like it was kind of leaning there, like they're kind of going more into that angle as opposed to just classic early 20th century natives, right? So I like that angle, and I liked a lot of the culture developed. Like you can't – someone wearing a Tuscan Raider mask is even more horrible than a Tuscan having their mask ripped off. I like seeing that the babies apparently from day one are like immediately swaddled up in that whole garb. Um, I love the little story, mythological story about the two sons at the very start. Like, like that's, that's all there. That's all really cool stuff. But I don't know. They're just it, – it's just – it's what it's beholden to in both the legends continuum and all the stories there, plus the inspirations that just pull back her story from being truly as expansive as I'd like to. Like, I love her character for what they could do, but it's very easy to read this book and say, like, she's just a trope, just like everyone else is in this book. And I wouldn't necessarily disagree. I wouldn't necessarily disagree, but I think she definitely goes beyond most, like, typical western trope. i feel like the story being a western makes her feel more like a trope than actually the content that really is there because i do feel like he does so go so far into the the tribalism and like and the structure of it and the connection of this tribe to other tribes and it's like there, there's a nice attempt at world building but it's also building off of other legend stuff and i think he does a good job i think this character had a lot of potential i know this this character is canon because one of Miller's stories in from a certain point of view names Aark as one of the characters. So I'd love to see this character brought back in and somehow expanded upon and, and really touched upon in other material, whether it's books or whether it's in uh, any other shows that want to feature Tuscan Raiders. I'd love this character come back, but I, I think that's one of my, one of the characters that I feel like gets a, a bigger treatment beyond trope, but starts to feel like, she's pulled back into trope because of the narrative being such a typical Western, but this would be, uh, let's move on to final thoughts and ratings. And I think for me, uh, this is a book that first time reading definitely goes in a lot of different directions that I, I didn't expect in terms of the story that is told here. I expected a typical Obi-Wan like grief story with other characters around him and him being the main character in the POV. That is not at all what's here. And I think, in some ways that disappointed me in other ways it is extremely well-written book extremely well-told western in star wars which we don't have too many like true true westerns in star wars there are 
a lot of things that take Western elements, but we don't have to like Boba Fett kind of looked like it might be some Western-y parts, but then it didn't really go full Western. There's a lot of things that embrace Western, but not too many things that are completely 100% Western. And I think, although there are a lot of tropes that bog this book down from being truly excellent, I think I enjoyed the storytelling here. Regardless, there's a nice pace to it. Everything is the characters are well written. You understand all the perspectives. You understand the politics and the environment of the world built. Uh, Obi Wan, the parts that we do get of him, I think are all fantastic. I just want more. All of all in all, I'm going to give this book a four out of five. I really, really like this book a lot. I just wish. I wish it was more Obi-Wan focused because I think if it was and it told the same story, even if it was tropey, I would I would truly love this. It's tough to really grade this book for me. I usually have like a a number or like a 0.25 off that I want to play around with as I talk it out and then kind of deliver it. If I read this book when it first came out, when it we, you know, 2013 or maybe just an early canon, I would have like enjoyed it a lot, a lot, right? I don't love how Kenobi is handled internally. Externally, sure. I think that's more than acceptable that he throws himself into these things on inadvertently at times too. It's when he has the time to be alone, when he's trying to commune with Qui-Gon for the majority of this novel. He's just... He's not vulnerable to me. I I think that's the one thing that I'm truly enjoying about the Kenobi show is that even though the story is so much bigger and high stakes and all that, we can quite outwardly see like what he's struggling with, the past that he can't put behind and forget. And in his moments alone, just with expressions of you, and obviously it's a different medium, all this and that, but we see a Kenobi that's broken and we can even almost hear his internal monologue. It's Obi-Wan's book at the end of the day. And I think Obi-Wan isn't there for me. So I got to drop this to like a 3.75. If I read this a couple years ago, it's a four. But 3.75 I think is fair. Because at the end of the day, it's really well written. And I think a lot of what we see in Book of Boba Fett and Obi-Wan Kenobi owes a lot to this book without a doubt. But the evolution of some things doesn't all click for me yeah i think that's completely fair and it's also an interesting perspective because uh both of us have read this and one i read it before obi-wan kenobi and you read it after obi-wan kenobi has started so it's interesting perspectives on on how that show has influenced our overall view of this of this narrative and let us know down below in the comments what you thought of this book and how you've thought uh, either obi-wan kenobi has handled the character versus the character in this book or the way this character in this book has translated into the Obi-Wan Kenobi character that we see in that show. Uh, let us know all of that down in the comments below. If you haven't yet, please like the video and subscribe to our channel for more continued Star Wars coverage. We have our Obi-Wan Kenobi Episode 6 review coming out Wednesday morning. Please check that out. And if you haven't checked out the predictions and speculation for the finale, check that one out as well. I also mentioned in the video that I did a How to Adapt episode of this novel that goes more deeply into specifics and how all those specifics could be translated into canon. So check all those videos out. Thank you all so much for watching and we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.